Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good? All right. Here's our weekly announcements. First, please not forget that next Sunday is our Serve Sunday. We will meet here at 9 a.m. for a quick time of worship and then go out into the city to serve. Sign up today so you can receive a confirmation in this next week on where you will go be assigned to help serve. Netnaz.church is the place to go. Also, for all the ladies out there, don't forget that next Saturday, May 6th, is the all-daughter brunch. It starts at 10 a.m., and you can purchase tickets out in the foyer. You won't want to miss this amazing time of hearing from Sarah Hudson and experiencing fellowship with other women. And then, and then for all you guys, don't forget that there will be a men's event from 5 to 8 p.m. at Caleb Belling's home that same evening, May 6th, no cost. Just come hang out with food, games, and fellowship. Sign up out in the foyer. There will, there will also be an open house to check out the new LifeWise building in Liberty Center. You can stop by today from 11.30 to 1.30 or 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. on May 7th. It's a fantastic thing to come see where God is moving in the hearts of us kids. Thanks, everyone. Good morning, church. It's at this time that I would like to invite up to the stage any students who are attending our Nazarene Youth Conference this coming summer. We feel it is important to help you as a church recognize each of these students you have been supporting through all sorts of fundraisers throughout this last year. I'm going to ask each of you to just share your name, school, and grade level. I'm Rachel Iverson. I'm a senior at Napoleon High School. I'm Madison Downing. I'm a junior at Holgate High School. I'm Gracie Butler. I'm a junior at Napoleon. Simon Bourne, senior, homeschooled. I'm Tate Bainfield. I'm a senior at Napoleon High School. My name's CJ Ridley. I'm a sophomore at Pettisville. Uh, I'm Bradley Bressler. I'm a sophomore at Napoleon. I'm Brenna Massey, and I'm an eighth grader at Napoleon. I'm Grace Meyer, and I'm a sophomore at Archibald. I'm Madison Butler, and I'm an eighth grader at St. Paul. I'm Miriam Borden, and an eighth grader and homeschooled. I'm Cole Bauman, and an eighth grader at Liberty Center Middle School. I'm Brooklyn Leahy. I'm a junior at Napoleon High School. So with 17 students and three chaperones, you all helped us raise well over $38,000 to be able to attend this year's conference, and we are more than thankful for everything you have done to support us. Let us pray for our NYC students. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one of these students and everyone who has helped support them for this trip. Prepare their hearts and their minds to be able to experience you, hear from you, and discern all that they have for them over this summer. Begin preparing their hearts now so they can respond to you over the trip. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, church. My name's Simon, and I am not a pastor here at NAPNAS. 
And for those of you who don't know, the last couple of summers, I've been working in general construction alongside Rusty Coey, actually. And there are a lot of things you learn working on a construction project. First of all, there's always work to be done. A clean workplace makes for less mistakes, less errors. Working faster does not mean working with less quality. The most important thing I learned is on a hot and humid day, stay out of Rusty's way, because that's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> Another thing you begin to learn or begin to realize, especially when you're starting out, is just how lacking in experience you are. See, when I arrive at a construction site, I have no idea where to begin. Sure, sometimes I can look around at what's already been done, and judging by what I've done in the past, I can sort of guess what needs to be done. But that only goes so far. I cannot walk into a kitchen and know for certain where to begin in order to get to an end product. Looking at what's already been done, I cannot know where I need to go. Even though I may know the end goal of the product, I cannot begin, to, I cannot begin because I don't know where to start. Let's say I start working without a clear plan in mind. Sure, I may get some work done, but ultimately, it will all be futile because I don't know what to do. Eventually, what that kitchen becomes is a prison of my own making. I make that kitchen into a prison because I will be putting work in and I will be getting nothing done. I will be laboring, but it will all be for nothing because I'm not following a plan. Or, more accurately, I am following my own self-made plan that I made from my own lacking experience. Now, do you ever feel this way about your own lives? You're putting work in and getting nothing out? Now, this might be a stretch, but do you ever feel this way about your spiritual lives? You go to church, you read your Bible, you're a good husband, you're a good wife, you're a good employee, you read the Bible, you fast, you pray, you do all these good, responsible things, but do you ever still feel as though you're spiritually lost, as though you're spiritually trapped, just as I was trapped in a kitchen. So if we're, all, if we're doing all the right things, why are we still lost? Why are we still getting nowhere? Why are we spiritually trapped? To answer that, we need, we need to know how to get free. How do we find freedom? Better yet, what does it actually mean to be spiritually free? To answer that question, I'd like us to begin in Haggai. So open your Bibles to Haggai 1, 2, and let us begin. This is Haggai 1, 2. The Lord of armies says this, These people say, The time has not yet come for the house of the Lord to, rebuilt, to be rebuilt. I'll stop, there. I'll stop here momentarily. Firstly, the house of the Lord is the temple to the Lord that had been previously destroyed in an invasion in which the Israelites were taken into exile by the invading country. Now, they're back in the promised land after a long history of events. They made it back to the promised land, and now they're saying, it is not yet time to rebuild the house to the Lord, the temple to the Lord. So, if they don't think it's time to do that, what do they think it's time for? Continuing on in Haggai 1 through 3, 1, 3 through 5, um, Haggai 1, 3 through 5. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. 
So it would seem that what they think they need to be doing is living in their own houses. It's time to build their own house, plant their own crop, chop their own wood. It's time to take care of all the work that they have. They're busy people. So it would seem that the Israelites are defining freedom as by their own work. If they work hard enough, they can live comfortably in their own houses, right? Let's see what happens physically with that definition of freedom. Haggai 1.6, you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never enough to be warm. You're, the wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. So, if by their work they will be free, if by their labor they will find freedom, why then do they still seem quite trapped? as they seem to be putting a lot in, but getting nothing in return. That seems a lot less like freedom to me, and much more like slavery. Slavery to themselves, slavery to their work, whatever it is, it certainly doesn't seem like freedom. So, my que so maybe the question of what freedom is will be answered in a bit. So let's continue, keep moving through Haggai 1, 7 through 12 now. The Lord of Armies says this, think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house, and I will be pleased, and it will glorify me. Says the Lord, you expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies, because my house still lies in ruins. Well, each of you is busy in your own house. So on your account, the skies have withheld their due, the land its crops. I have summoned a drought on the field and the hills, on the grain, new wine, fresh oil, and whatever the ground yields, on people and animals and all that your hands produce. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And so the people feared the Lord. So we see here God is in a way correcting the Israelites. He's disciplining them. See, their definition of freedom is a little wonky. They think what they need to be doing is working more on their own lives. Get their house in order. Get their fields planted. All the stuff that seems pretty responsible, but it's not working. Because it's not what they need to be working on. They're not free in doing what they're doing. And they are enslaving themselves to themselves. So if, Israelite, if the Israelites are wrong, how is God defining freedom? Haggai 1, 13 through 15. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. The Lord roused the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. They began work on the house of the Lord of armies, their God on the 24th day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. See, the spirit is roused after God's declaration, I am with you. This is how God sees to define freedom. I am with you. Freedom is simply wherever he is. So with that declaration, he sought to set the Israelites free. So what is freedom? Ultimately, it is just relying on God. It is following God. It is working with God. It is having faith in God. 
I can put all the work I want to in a construction project, but if I lack the proper plan, then it will be futile. However, when I follow Rusty's instruction, when I work with Rusty, when I put my faith in Rusty's plan, it will always turn out better. For both the construction and myself, I am no longer trapped in that kitchen. It, I will always be freer putting my faith in the God like Rusty, lowercase g, than in myself. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the spiritual side. This, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it is the same way with the spiritual side of things. The spiritual rut we are in, maybe it's the spiritual rut we are in, maybe it's because we're defining freedom incorrectly. Maybe we're defining freedom as the Israelites did. We are following our own plan. We are doing what's right in our own eyes, not what is right in God's eyes. See, the foundation of a temple to God is the disciplines. Yes, prayer, time in the word, repentance, fasting, charity. But the construction is building on top of that. It is actually our lives and what we live. Each one of us, our lives are a temple, yes. But are our lives temples to God? Are we constructing, or are we constructing one to ourselves? Just as the other nations would see a physical temple, so should others see a spiritual temple in your own lives. Are we living a life pointing only to God, or are we too tied up in this world? Are we too stressed about work constantly? Are we, too con are we always anxious? Are we always worried? See, the one thing I want to leave you with is this. The sole purpose of a temple to God is pointing to God and saying, look how good he is. What he's done in my life, look how good he is. So the rest of your week, ask this for everything you do. Temple to God, temple to yourself, or, tem or temple to the world. Which is it? What are you pointing to, and how are you defining freedom? With that, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are a good, good father. I pray that these words were not my words, but your words working through me, Lord. I pray that our lives be made more and more into a temple, a temple for you, not for ourselves. I pray, I pray and I thank you for this church, Lord. It's a vibrant, it has a vibrant life, Lord. I pray that this church be made ever more reflecting your goodness, your power, your greatness, your glory, Lord. I pray that your will be our will. Amen. Okay, at this time, I'd like to invite all the little kids up here for story time. Thank you. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for here, please. Oh, shoot. Bye bye. So today we're going to be reading, Is Anyone Out There? Have you guys read this before? No. no? Okay. Let's dig in. 
Okay, Bubba is big, very big. But the ocean is bigger, much, much bigger. Much bigger, bigger than that. <laughs> okay. Sometimes even a big whale like Bubba can get lost. Is anyone out there? You guys get lost sometimes? But God is always with him, no matter where the ocean flows. Sometimes, even a brave guy like Bubba can feel afraid. Is anyone out there? But God is always with him, even in the darkest shadows. Sometimes, even a smart cookie like Bubba can't find his way home. Is anyone out there? But God is always with him, even when his fins are froze. Sometimes, even a friend like Bubba has a little too much fun. Is anyone out there? But God is always with him through the highs and the lows. Sometimes a buddy like Bubba loses track of time. Is anyone out there? But God is always with him, whether the sun or the moon glows. Sometimes you've got to stop and enjoy the view. Is anyone out there? But God is always with him. That's the thing he already he always knows. Every time Bubba forgets his way, plays all day, or goes astray. What do we think it's going to say? God is always with him, no matter where he goes. And that's all. Can we pray? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all of these wonderful children. We pray that they would grow in their faith. Please protect them and watch them through their life. Help them 
to be nice and treat others how they would treat themselves. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm also not a pastor. My name is CJ Ridley, and I've been attending NAPNAS for over two years now. But before I was asked if I would like to come and preach for you Sunday, you know, I was a good Christian. I believed I got baptized, but I wasn't glorifying God to my full extent. And that was mainly because I was focused on having good days and getting through life. I relied on those good days so much because I felt like it, it freed me from the other pain throughout the world instead of relying on God for my freedom. But God was watching out for me because as soon as I started reading into scripture and, and preparing for the sermon, like, like not just reading the words, but like really diving into what the scripture is, is telling us and relating it not to the story, but to my own life. It's really powerful stuff. I, I instantly felt freed. And, and I, started, I started acting differently and talking differently because I had seen that God was the, was, is the only one who can give me freedom, and all I had to do was put my faith in him. How many of us rely on worldly things for our freedom instead of relying on God. For some, it could be alcohol, drugs, pornography. For others, it could be like me, relying on your good days for freedom. When we put our expectations into worldly things to give us freedom, all we will, all we will receive from that is pain when our expectations fail us. Don't be discouraged because when we put our faith in God, we, God will give us freedom on the bad days. We know this from what Simon just told us. But now this leads to the question, why? Why is it that when we put our faith in God and work with God that we are freed? Why are we freed? So let's read Haggai 2. Sorry. Let's, let's dive into Haggai 2 verse 1 to start to answer the question, why? On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, sorry, <laughs> the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the, the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So what's he saying here? If we go back up to verses three, he says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? So in this first part, he's talking about Solomon's temple, which was destroyed many years ago. And, and there were only a few people 
who remembered it, and they talked about its magnificence and how beautiful it was. And then he looks at the new temple that only has a foundation built, and he asks, does it not seem to you like nothing? For years, the Israelites have been waiting for a new temple to be built, but as they see only the foundation, they are disappointed because it does not seem as beautiful as the first one. They were expecting that the new temple would be amazing and huge, and everyone around them would look and be amazed, but instead they got a pile of bricks. Then God says, be strong and work, for I am with you. Even though they had no physical temple where God could reside, he was still with them. It says in verse 5, my spirit remains among you, do not fear. You see, even through our failed expectations, God is still with us. And when we put our faith in him, like Simon said, (laughs) I did not do that on purpose. (laughs) Like Simon said, we are freed. But that still leaves us with our original question, why? Why does placing our faith in God give us freedom? Why are we freed? So let's read verses 6 through 9, which say, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place... I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Okay, so, so in verses 6 and 7, uh, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the seas and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. So look, look at how many times God is talking about himself here. He says, I will shake the heavens. I will shake the nations. I will fill this house with glory. God is telling the the Israelites to look. It might not look good now, but but soon people will see the glory of God there and how great it truly is. Why? Because God is in it. Without God, the Israelites can accomplish nothing. How how could anyone bring glory to God when God is not even inside them? But God says, rely on me. Let me come into your life. Only when God is in us can we glorify him. The temple is not great because of how big it is or how much gold and silver is inside. It's great because God is in it. And when we let him come into our lives, then we are now like temples, which God can use to bring glory to his kingdom. Then he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Not only will people from all nations come to see, come to see the great temple, but the new temple will glorify God greater than the first one. And all the glory will go to God. Then he says, in this place, I will grant you peace. Freedom doesn't come from the things of this world, but from God. When we rely on God, he will, he will free us and he will, he will use us to glorify the kingdom of God. He will grant you peace. So 
Why are we freed? It is because God is in control. Without God, we can never accomplish anything. But when we put our faith in him and let him take control of our lives, he will free us and he will use us to further expand his kingdom. Nothing in this world will matter anymore when we put our faith in God. It says he will shake the nations. He will shake the heavens and the earth. He will shake He will fill this house with glory, and in this place, he will grant you peace. We are freed because everything we strive for, God is in control of. So we strive after the one who is in control of all things, rather than striving after those things ourselves. You know, before I thought freedom came from the things of this world, I I relied on it, and when it failed me, I experienced pain. But God made it clear to me that the only way to experience freedom is through him. And once I started to rely on him, the good days, the good days didn't matter because I felt freed even on the bad days. God came and took control of my life. When God takes control and enters into our lives, we will be like temples which can glorify his kingdom. And in this place, He will grant you peace. Only when we let God take control will we be freed. Let God take control. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. All right. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, I pray that you would take control of our lives, that you would change us, that you would free us, I pray that you will enter into our lives and use us to glorify you, God. That you would turn us into temples so people could see that it is not because of us that we are great, but it is because of you. God, we thank you for this wonderful day, for everyone who has worked so hard to make this day possible. All the power and glory goes to you, God. Go before us this day. Bless everyone here, and in your name we pray. Amen. The spirit is here. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.